0: okay well I am uh, I'm really excited to be here this is two years in the making I know many of you like uh, myself we were sure looking forward to last year's conference and then of course uh, circumstances beyond our control caused us to have to uh, to miss it but boy here we are and so um, I, uh, I the message that I'm going to start out with my first session today is one that I was scheduled to speak on last year and the Lord really in like he did, in so many ways used this craziness of the last year you know the Lord can bring beautiful things out of broken things amen and uh, even though it's been a tough year in so many ways uh not just for our country but for the world uh the Lord kind of weaves things together and, and what he did for not by works was he allowed us to use that downtime all of our conferences were canceled for the whole year well from March on <clears throat> and uh, so we used that time to Finish a couple of book projects and to work on this presentation. And uh, and so it turned into, you know, 18 videos and a 10 disc, 14 hour set. And so I've got basically 14 hours worth of material that I'm gonna give you in the next hour somehow. Uh, We're gonna figure it out, kind of do the opposite of the loaves and fishes somehow, but we'll figure it out. Uh, But uh, anyway, just really looking forward to this. This is an important topic and I hope it uh, is something that really Uh, is edifying for the body of Christ as we talk about it, but also in some regards, uh, informational or educational. And I hope even if maybe some of the things that we're going to talk about you haven't heard before, it'll prompt you to kind of dig a little deeper and and validate them uh, for yourselves. So I was uh, was sitting in a Chinese food restaurant in Houston, and across from me was a a close friend and and colleague. We both uh, taught at a nearby college at the time, and This is one of our favorite places to eat. It was 15 years ago. Shane and I had had dozens of deep conversations at that very restaurant about everything from theology to politics to philosophy to sports, you name it. But the discussion we had on that uh, fateful day will be forever etched in my mind because it was on that day that I woke up to the world as it really exists. On that day, I began the long, hard descent into the rabbit hole that continues to this day, and it all started because a man I respected very much, an intelligent, educated, biblically astute man, cared enough to expose some lies that I and many other Christians believed. I'll never forget the conflicted feelings that I had as I sat there listening to Shane and thinking to myself, and by the way, that, that, that typical one-hour lunch that we would have two or three times a week at that restaurant, that day turned into four hours. But I sat there thinking to myself as I was listening to him talk, this guy is, is smart, even brilliant, I would say. I wouldn't admit that to him, but I've always thought of him that way. And, uh, and I thought, and yet what I'm hearing come out of his mouth is complete nonsense. It has to be. I kept thinking. This can't be true. But I respected him too much to dismiss what he was saying without at least looking into it myself. So I went home that night, began doing a little digging, and that began a journey into the real forces behind what is going, into, going on in the world that continues uh, to this day. It ultimately led to a book I wrote in 2012 called The Great Last Day's Deception. Several other books. Uh, presentations that I've done, including some right here at the Mid-America Prophecy Conference, like Red, White, and Bad, When the Country We Love Becomes the Country We Fear. I did that back in 2018, by the way, the last time we met, because or 2019, I guess it was. Maybe it was 2018. Anyway, who knew at the time that it would be prophetic? I didn't know I was a prophet, but a lot of the stuff that we talked about in that Red, White, and Bad presentation we saw happening before our very eyes over the last year. But I basically looked behind the curtain And I've been examining every corner of the stage ever since. So the message that I'm going to be addressing this morning really covers many of the realities that I was kind of exposed to beginning that day. As I said, it was originally intended to be one message last year, and I had uh, had finished it. I was ready for this one-hour presentation. And then, of course, at the last minute, as you know, we had to cancel. And so I used the last year to really dig deeper and i did a a, again an 18 video series that we uh, that we taught at my home church that turned into a dvd uh, set so so what i'm going to do as i go through this i'm going to try to distill it down and give you just bits and pieces of each of the topics that i cover in the set but if you want the full set we have them uh, out at our resource table again it's called spirit of the antichrist 10 discs 18 hours and uh, and 14 or 18 videos and 14 uh, plus Hours. So I'm calling this the spirit of the Antichrist. So the premise of this is basically that the Bible warns it is the last hour, and many Antichrists have come. And we're also warned in 2 Timothy 3 that things are getting worse and worse. And of course, that was written in 67 ish AD, Paul's last letter. And here we are, roughly 2,000 years later. And so you can imagine how bad things are now in this. A present evil age where Satan is the prince of this world. Uh, if we go back to 1 John, again we read this is the spirit of the Antichrist, capital A. Uh, but he goes on to say that that spirit is already in the world. Now the context, if you remember, of course John wrote his epistles in the mid-90s, one of the last uh, books of the New Testament to be written, and he was addressing the late first century heresies of Gnosticism and Docetism And in the context, he says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. But it's interesting that he very plainly says the spirit of the Antichrist, capital A, the future Antichrist that will rule the world in this tyrannical one world system after the rapture, that spirit is already in the world. And so I started thinking, if the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world, and if the Bible tells us a great deal about the characteristics of that future man of sin who will rule the world, then we ought to be able to look around us, survey the landscape, and see an uptick in some of those characteristics today, especially if things are getting worse and worse as the Bible tells us they are. And then I started comparing scriptures like what Paul says here in 2 Thessalonians 2 when he says the mystery of lawlessness, that's talking about the Antichrist, is already at work. So in this present age, this spirit of the ultimate Great Deceiver, who is Satan, who will indwell—I believe—the Antichrist during that seven-year tribulation period is already at work. And when John speaks of the last hour, uh, we need to understand that he's talking about this present age. I've talked about this elsewhere, so I won't spend a great deal of time on it because I've got so much that I want to uh, to to get through in this next hour. Uh, But when you look at an end times chart, we need to understand that the present age, the Church age, is what the Bible calls the last days. There are plenty of scriptures that refer to that. By contrast, the end times refers to everything beginning with the rapture and going all the way through uh, God's prophetic plan to the new heavens and the new earth. And so I've often talked about how uh, roughly 16% of the Bible is unfulfilled prophecy. And, uh, you know, one-third of the Bible is prophetic. Half of that's already been fulfilled at Christ's first advent. So that means if you do the math, roughly 16% is future prophecy relating to uh, the end times. And so when the Bible speaks of the last hour of the last days, it's talking about this present age in which we live. Again, in other messages, if you're interested in sort of making the case biblically for that distinction, you can uh, take a look at our uh, uh, top 10 signs that we're living in the last of the last days. Uh, that uh, DVD that's available out there, it's called Unmistakable Signs or Uh, Signs of the Times, I think it's called. But if you look at a panoramic view of history from God's plan of the ages, then it sort of becomes more clear what we mean by the last days because we, in fact, are in the present church age, and the only age to come is the kingdom age. Uh, Someday Christ is going to come back. He's going to take the throne. He's going to rule in perfect peace and justice with a rod of iron. Uh, The governments will be upon his shoulder, and all things ultimately will be made new. That kingdom, the first thousand years of it, will be on the old earth. We call it the millennium. The Bible calls it that. uh, But then eventually that kingdom will continue on in perpetuity when time shall be no more in the eternal state. So we're in the last days, and Paul tells us that in the last days perilous times will come. Uh, Satan knows that his time is short, and so he is in this cosmic struggle as he attempts to take over the world and make it his own and demand that people worship him through uh, the Antichrist. He is constantly at work deceiving uh, the world. He's talking about today, this last hour, and the Antichrist is coming, capital A. So who is this Antichrist? Before we can understand and see evidence of the spirit of the Antichrist, we need to take a quick refresher on who the Antichrist is. The word Antichristos is used five times in Scripture, and if you look it up in various lexicons, you'll find that it can mean false Christ, that is, one who tries to take the place of Christ and demand worship, <clears throat> but it can also mean against Christ, antichristos in that sense, antichrist, that is one who hates Christ and wants to kill him. And the future antichrist is going to be both. Uh, as uh, William R. Newell so eloquently puts it, I love William uh, Newell, a uh, great man of God from the previous uh, century. Uh, he wrote a series of verse-by-verse commentaries that were very popular, highly recommend them, still very uh, relevant uh, to this day because they're true to God's word. But he also wrote that great hymn at Calvary. I'm sure many of you remember that. Mercy there was great and grace was free. I love that as a free grace guy, right? We believe grace is free at Not By Works Ministry. So I really love William Newell. But notice what he said. All satanic activities are carried on under the double motive of ambition to rule and be worshipped and hatred toward the one whom God has chosen to take the kingdom that Satan has usurped. So that's the Antichrist. And there are several passages that uh, talk about the Antichrist. We get into these in more detail in the earlier uh, videos in this series, but some of the key ones would be Daniel 7, 9, and 11, 2 Thess 2, uh, 1 John 2 and 4, which we've looked at a moment ago, and of course, Revelation 13, and there are uh, many others. But uh, the Antichrist is referred to in various ways throughout scripture. Uh, such as the little horn and the prince that shall come or the willful king and Daniel. Uh, the desolator, or the one who makes desolation, and Daniel and Matthew, Jesus uses the same phrase there, quoting Daniel by name. Uh, Paul calls him the man of sin or the son of perdition. He's also called the lawless one. And then one of the most common names for the Antichrist is the beast. Uh, so the question is, do we see evidence that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world, we know the Bible tells us that's the case. But when we look around, do we see evidence of Satan's minions, his demons, his candidates for the post of Antichrist, all around us? Remember, Satan does not have the mind of God. He's not omniscient, so he doesn't know when the rapture is going to happen, setting in motion that final 16% of biblical prophecy that will be uh, fulfilled. So he has to be ready at any time, and so. That's, I think, part of the meaning here of this idea of many antichrists uh, have come. We know that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one and that, as I said, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And if one of the ways that we know that we're living in the last age prior to the return of Christ and the establishment of his kingdom is that uh, the presence of this antichrist-type activity is increasing, well, then I thought, let's take a look. We should see an increase, a rise in this type of activity the closer we get to the return of Christ. So the next great prophetic event to which the world looks forward, of course, is the rapture. It's a signless event. But we certainly can uh, look for the signs of the times, of the setting of the stage. We can kind of look around us at geopolitical events, cultural events. the the rise of immorality, the apostasy of the church, and things like that, and begin to say, you know, it sure looks like we're getting close. Now, we don't want to set dates. We can't do that. Uh, That's speculative, and it's sensationalizing. Uh, But we certainly can look around and see if the stage is being set. Uh, John said, we know we're in the last hour because many Antichrists have come. Now, before we take a look at some of the characteristics of the Antichrist and see if they correlate to anything we see going on today, uh, let's not forget where Satan's, where Antichrist's power comes from. It comes from Satan. Paul tells us the coming of the lawless one is, in according, is according to the working of Satan. In fact, I believe Satan may very well indwell the future Antichrist, uh, based on this passage and others. Uh, can't be dogmatic about it. At the very least, certainly he's going to uh, empower and heavily influence the Antichrist, but it seems to me there are two times in human history. I've mentioned this before at this conference, that that Satan, the prince of demons himself, a demon, indwells an unbeliever. And the first time we know without question was Judas, the Bible tells us that, in conjunction with the first advent of Christ, as Satan at that moment decided not to delegate. He said, I've got this opportunity. Uh, God in the flesh has come to my backyard. He's come to my territory where this world that is under my sway is. And and now that he's here, I'm not going to leave anything to chance. I'm going to take it on myself to make sure this is done right. So rather than delegate, he indwelt Judas and, and Judas betrayed Christ. And of course, uh, the Messiah was killed. But then he rose from the dead, of course, three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And Satan undoubtedly shrieked in horror uh, in that moment. And then I believe uh, the second time that this is likely to happen, again, it's a little bit more speculative, but I I think I can make the case, will be in conjunction with the second advent of Christ. Once again, when Satan recognizes that Christ is going to be coming back, uh, once again, making himself vulnerable, coming to the the devil's playground itself, and he says, I've got this. And so he indwells the Antichrist. But, of course, we know how that battle uh, ends up. The beast and the false prophet are cast into uh, the everlasting fire. Ultimately, they will be cast into the uh, lake of fire. Uh, In Revelation, we learn that Satan gives... The beast, the Antichrist, his authority, his exousia, his power, his might. In Daniel 8, which in the original context is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, but it prefigures the Antichrist, we learn that his power shall be mighty but not by his own power. So Satan, the great deceiver, is the one who's going to empower this future Antichrist. The Antichrist under Satan's power will be the greatest human deceiver in the history of the world. No one will ever have more deceptive power on earth than the Antichrist. Deception will reach its highest levels during that 70th week of Daniel, the great day of the Lord's wrath. And we know that, again, Paul said that deception is getting worse and worse, so it follows that it's going to reach its climax. That's the reason Jesus in the Olivet Discourse repeatedly warns that future generation that will be alive during the tribulation, do not be deceived, do not be deceived, do not be Deceived. When the disciples asked, what will be the sign of your coming? The first words out of Jesus' mouth are, do not be deceived. So it all began with Satan. Jesus says J- Satan uh, is a, uh, does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. He's a liar and the father of lies. Now, I've written and spoken for many years since I woke up at that fateful uh, lunch meeting with my friend Shane about the global deception that is sweeping over the world. In fact, so much so that some people like to label me a conspiracy theorist. The question then is, what are conspiracy theories? And it might interest you to know that, first of all, a conspiracy, if you look it up in any dictionary, is simply an agreement between two or more people to commit a crime or perform some sinister act. There's nothing inherent within the term conspiracy that implies craziness or wild speculation. In fact, about 75% of all federal criminal prosecutions and a large percentage of state cases actually have conspiracy in the charge. They involve charges and prosecutions for conspiracy. So if conspiracies don't exist and are merely the far-fetched machinations of the mentally ill as the government tries to tell us they are, then there must be a ton of mentally ill lawyers out there, (laughs) now come to think of it. (laughs) My apologies to my friend, uh, Dr. Andy Woods, a lawyer himself. Uh, By the way, what's the difference between a lawyer and God? God doesn't think he's a lawyer. Um, (laughs) How many lawyers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Three. One to climb the ladder, one to shake it, and one to sue the ladder company. So um, all right, one more. What's the difference between a jellyfish and a lawyer? One's a spineless, poisonous blob, and the other's a small sea creature. So anyway, um, anyway, the uh, the term conspiracy theory, we now know that term was actually invented and coined by the CIA. In April 1967, the CIA wrote a dispatch, CIA document 1035-960, in which the term conspiracy theory was created. And they recommended methods for discrediting any theory that contradicted the official government version of events by labeling them conspiracies. The document was stamped PSYCH, short for Psychological Operations or Disinformation, and also CS, short for uh, the CIA's Clandestine Services Unit. And this document was uh, released based on a Freedom of Information Act request. And originally, this document was the reason they created the term conspiracy theory was in an attempt to discredit those who questioned the Warren Commission's account of the assassination of JFK. But over time, it became a term used to discredit anyone who questions any official government narrative on any given issue. It's uh, discussed often in academic uh, circles, this concept, this this psychological operation, academic circles, journals, textbooks. They call it, quote, psycholinguistic tool for mimetic hegemony. That's a typical academic phrase. Let me say that again. Psycholinguistic tool for mimetic hegemony. So let's break that down. What are they talking about here? Well, they're talking about using memes, mimetic, to advance and further the hegemony, dominance, or control of the global elite. And what we now know is the Luciferian the global elite. So this same psycholinguistic technique is being used today as it relates to so-called fake news. And I address this in in a lot more detail in the uh, videos, the full videos in the series. But uh, Kaz Sunstein is a name you may be familiar with. He's an American legal uh, scholar and um, uh, he is uh, very well known for his research into, quote, linguistic thought control and subliminal indoctrination as a means of behavior modification. He's the one who pretty much popularized, he didn't invent it, but he's kind of credited with promoting the nudge theory of behavior. And uh, by the way, he's a, a globalist married to Samantha Power, former U- U.S. ambassador to the UN. But he said this in the Journal of uh, Political Philosophy, talking about how we can use this these conspiracy theory labels. He said, what can government do about conspiracy theories? Well, we can readily imagine a series of possible responses. First of all, government might ban conspiracy theorizing. And secondly, they might impose some kind of tax, financial or otherwise, on those who disseminate such theories. Uh, he also recommended and implemented a program of what he termed cognitive infiltration, in which paid government agents would infiltrate truth movements undercover and spread misinformation to. Uh, discredit them. He wrote the book Conspiracy Theories and Other Dangerous Ideas back in 2014. Now, when someone calls you a conspiracy theorist, I hope from now on, you'll recognize that you've been victimized by a massive psycholinguistic mind control program. You know, the Bible actually does have a lot to say about conspiracies. I get, get into both the Old and New Testament breakdown of this in the a full series, but about 400 years before Christ, Thucydides, the 5th century BC Greek uh, general and historian, said, quote, A conspiracy is a body of men leagued by oath for the putting down of democracies. The bottom line is conspiracies are nothing new, they're as old as time itself, and they date all the way back ultimately to the original conspiracy between Lucifer and his allies to overthrow God in heaven. In scripture, we see a thousand years before Christ, King David writing about the greatest conspiracy on planet earth when he says in Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers, they take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, talking about the Messiah there. See? If if you take a look, and again, I go into this in much greater detail, at the greatest conspiracy of all time, it involves Satan and his co-conspirators, demons, as well as human agents. Satan's trying to take over this world, and there are people on earth and have been for 6,000 years conspiring with him uh, to take over the world. And, of course, uh, Paul himself warns about the unseen element of this conspiracy, the demonic element, when he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. But as I was thinking about the spirit of the Antichrist, uh, my attention was drawn to the human co-conspirators that are working with Satan, the Luciferian global elite. Uh, And, you know, we often give lip service to that demonic aspect, but I think very few people really understand the human uh, part of it. Uh, remember what David said, why do the nations rage and the people and the earthly kings plot against God? So what I'd like to do is just kind of walk through seven manifestations of the spirit of the Antichrist. Again, I'm only going to be able to touch on them, and I think even one or two I might just just kind of skip right over just for the sake of time, and I do want to allow a little bit of time for questions if at all uh, possible. But again, we go into much greater detail in the full series uh, the, the the 10 disc 18 video series uh, if you are interested in further study about this so the first manifestation is this it's what I call the spirit of pretense the spirit of pretense now what do we mean by pretense it's really the perfect word to describe the sum total of all that Satan is and by extension all that the Antichrist will be if you look it up in a dictionary I looked it up in three different dictionaries and got these definitions, all of them pretty much saying the same thing, a claim not supported by fact, a false show of something, or a false or hypocritical profession. So the number one characteristic of the future Antichrist will be deception. That is his MO. Everything else flows uh, from that. Um, The Bible tells us the coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, will be with all power signs and lying wonders. Goes on in verse 10 to say that with all unrighteous deception he's going to operate. In Revelation 13, we, we read that he deceives those who dwell on the earth. And if you look through the annals of history and take the time to dig up some of the, the quotes from some of the people either involved directly in or commenting on it from various perspectives, you see this uh, deception. Uh, rear its ugly head again and again and again. Manley P. Hall, for example, that Satan-worshipping Canadian uh, from the 33rd, also 33rd degree Mason, said this, there are invisible powers behind the thrones of earth, and men are just marionettes dancing while the invisible ones pull the strings. And This is what really struck me more than anything 15 years ago as I began to go down the rabbit hole, is that Almost nothing is as it seems. Almost all that we see is an illusion. It's never about what it's about. And people have heard me make those statements again and again. One of the biggest manifestations of this deception is through a a program called Operation Mockingbird. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar uh, with this, but for those of you who are not, it's a a program put forward uh, back in the 1950s, originally by the CIA involving a large scale infiltration into virtually every mainstream media program to control the narrative. And uh, there were hearings about it, as we're going to see in this clip I'm about to show you, uh, but eventually it con- you know was said to have stopped, but it clearly continues on. And this clip that I'm about to show you ought to send chills up your spine. There are many others just like it. If you take the time, I found several others since you know sh- uh, coming across, Uh, this one, but it's going to show you how even down to the very local level, doesn't matter where you live, Johnson City, Tennessee, Albuquerque, New Mexico, or even smaller towns, the media outlets are all controlled and they're all reading a script. Not all the time, but a good portion uh, of the time. So let's watch this uh, short clip and you'll see what I mean. It's a quote from the former CIA director, William Casey.
1: There's no question about the fact that Mockingbird is real. It started out paying journalists in major meetings, Pulitzer Prize winning
2: journalists, to print fake stories uh, that the CIA wanted in the press and fake interviews. And this was revealed in the Church Committee. Do you have any
3: people being paid by the CIA?
2: George H.W. Bush came out and finally made a
1: statement about Mockingbird. Well, we're going to officially stop the Mockingbird program. The CIA will no longer pay journalists to write stories. From now on, the program is voluntary, which
3: means Mockingbird continues today. When's
2: the last time you've seen a mainstream
1: media outlet do a serious investigative report on the actions of the CIA? There's a reason for that. This would mean that the CIA could manipulate in the United States by channeling them through some foreign country. And we're looking at that very carefully. You mm-hmm. well, Yeah, I would say probably for a reporter.
3: To our democracy. This to our
1: democracy this is extremely dangerous to our
3: democracy
1: this is extremely dangerous to our democracy this is extremely dangerous to our
3: democracy this is extremely dangerous to our democracy this is extremely dangerous to our democracy
1: there is something about the way the CIA
3: has been functioning that is casting a shadow on our historic position of freedom and I feel we need to correct it.
0: So what we see really is that the mainstream media has always been an avenue of deception, a weapon of mass deception, and this false left-right paradigm, which we talk about in the series at length, is really just a head fake to get people thinking that as long as I watch one brand of this mainstream media, I'm getting the truth. But when in reality, it's, in reality, it's all just part of a propaganda uh, machine. It's astounding how many. People blindly follow the mainstream narrative, even uh, many Christians. You know, Mark Twain put it this way, how easy it is to make people believe a lie and how hard it is to undo that again. It's often paraphrased, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci said there are three classes of people, those who see, those who see when they're shown, and those who do not see. Deception is already very powerful. And if we're to have any hope against the rising tide of pretense that will only get worse between now and the rapture, we've got to learn to study the facts for ourselves, to show discernment. And yet because most Christians only have an appetite for chicken soup for the soul sound bites, most Christians are deceived about the way things really are. The 18th century British theologian William Paley put it this way, there is a principle which Cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And this principle is contempt prior to examination. I think uh, Einstein said the height of ignorance is contempt prior to uh, examination. As the anonymous psalmist wrote a thousand years before Christ, the works of the Lord are great and to be studied by all who have pleasure in them. Are you blindly trusting world leaders, world philosophies, world truths, Traditions and governments, or are you studying things for yourself? Uh, Carl Sagan, not exactly a God fearing uh, saint, said One of the saddest lessons of history is this if we've been bamboozled long enough, we tend to reject any evidence of the bamboozle. We're no longer interested in finding out the truth. The bamboozle has captured us. It's simply too painful to acknowledge, even to ourselves, that we've been taken. Once you give a charlatan power over you, you almost never give it back. Uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe put it this way, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. Of course, the problem with deception is it leads to destruction. That's Satan's plan all along. He is Apollyon, the destroyer, the deceiver, as well as destroyer. Voltaire reminded us, those who can make you believe absurdities will also make you commit atrocity. And the annals of history bear this out. Just consider Hitler's genocidal tendencies. And he said, the principle, which is quite true in itself, is that in the big lie, there's always a certain force of credibility. This is often misquoted as, the bigger the lie, the easier it is to be uh, believed. A lot of people think that, that, you know, that's counterintuitive. People think just the opposite. No one would ever believe that. <laughs> but they do. And they do because uh, of the propaganda machine behind it. Um, I can't tell you how many times when exposing certain lies, people will tell me or, or ask a question afterwards, well, that can't possibly be true because surely the media would have reported about it. <laughs> well, you don't understand the media. <laughs> um Lenin said, a lie told often enough becomes what? The truth. Never before in history have Eric Blair's famous words been more true. Blair, better known by his pen name George Orwell, said, in an age of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. In the last year alone, the the Luciferian elite have pulled out all the stops to censor and ban truth like never before. I mean, it's been around for centuries But in particular, in the last year, we've seen a rise, which has gotten my attention and makes me wonder, are we getting closer? Is the stage uh, being uh, set? Um, You know, not by works. Our ministry has had two strikes and three warnings on our YouTube channel. Five of our videos have been uh, banned and taken down from YouTube. Why? Well, it's not because of the reason they say, because some of it doesn't even add up. And, of course, they're using artificial intelligence to do this. They don't have paid workers sitting in a cubicle watching not by works. I wish they did because they might hear the gospel, be convicted of their sin, and come to know the Savior. Uh, But uh, artificial intelligence can't get saved. Um, uh, But uh, I believe it's because we're presenting the truth about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. We're presenting the truth about the the uniqueness of male-female gender and the image of God in man and many other topics, and they don't like it. If you want to read an outstanding brand new book on this topic of the cancel culture, I recommend uh, Canceling Christianity. just came out by my friend and colleague David uh, Fiorazzo. Canceling Christianity is about the battle for the heart and soul of America, the spiritual conflict we find ourselves in. And David gets it. He understands this Luciferian agenda. He talks about how the forces of darkness, both human and demonic, are behind today's progressive Cancel culture. And I have copies of this uh, with us at the Not by Works resource table, canceling Christianity. But God's word reminds us a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Or a more paraphrastic definition or translation puts it this way a prudent man foresees danger and takes precautions, the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And then uh, uh, one uh, writer paraphrased the meaning of this this way. A a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. See, we've got to wake up and pay attention. It is the spirit of pretense. Some of the other topics that we cover under this heading in the full series are the false left-right paradigm, fake news, censorship, geoengineering, false flags, and... Vaccines and Big Pharma. So there's a hot a hot topic. Speaking of vaccines and Big Pharma, there can be no doubt that the forthcoming vaccine passport system fits the biblical description of the mark of the beast precisely. I'm not saying it is the mark of the beast because that's not going to be implemented until after the rapture. But it certainly fits the biblical description without a doubt and may well constitute the technology that the Antichrist uses to exert global control. The second one that I want to touch on briefly, a little bit more lengthy than some of the others, so don't worry. We're going to, a lot of the ones, the final seven, we'll just breeze through pretty quickly here for the sake of time. But I do want to spend a little more time on the spirit of phenomena. That's another thing that is characteristic of the Antichrist, his phenomenalistic abilities, uh, signs, lying wonders, and so forth. He's performing great signs and so forth in the heavens that come down from heaven. Um, You know, different false Christs and false prophets will rise, Jesus said, and show great signs and wonders. So we do see, undoubtedly, really even in the last 73 years or 74 years or so, an intense and stunning rise in the amount of phenomenalistic occurrences. Now, These are not new. They've been true for centuries. But if you look at it just from the perspective of the United States, it kind of goes back to 1947. We begin to see the beginnings of an increase in paranormal, phenomenalistic activity. Now, I uh, have made the connection in this series. And I've not heard others make it. I'm sure they have. Uh, I just haven't come across them in all of my research. And then on the drive here yesterday, my daughter and I were listening to a podcast by some Bible teacher. He's not exactly in our camp, but it was interesting. He made the same connection. So I thought, well, I'm not alone. Uh, But I'm sure there are others who have made this connection between the beginnings of the UFO phenomena and the the establishment of the modern nation state of Israel. Uh, I talk a lot more about that in the series, and I'm going to be touching on it in my session tomorrow on the nation of Israel and God's plan of the ages. But back in 1947, Satan evidently thought we might be entering the final stages of God's plan of the ages. Because why? After World War II, the Balfour Declaration and so forth, Israel becomes a nation. Satan knows the Bible. He knows God's prophetic plan. He doesn't believe the outcome. But he recognized, well, if Israel's once again on our maps, maybe we're getting close. And so, lo and behold, we begin to see Uh, some UFO activities, the Roswell incident in June of 1947 and just a couple of weeks later, the Kenneth Arnold sightings uh, in uh, Washington uh, uh, over Mount uh, Rainier. And these events led to the formation of uh, Project Sign and Project Grudge and eventually Project Blue Book, which was a U.S. Air Force program that was secretly studying all of these UFO phenomena. And of course, for decades, they deny, 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 deny. And then as is typical with deception, eventually they come right out and say, of course, we've been doing it. We've been doing it all along, and, and why didn't you know this? Well, we didn't know because you told us you weren't doing it. And uh, But now you're telling us uh, you're doing it. And I've had I've been doing this long enough now that I've had some of my presentations at different conferences actually censored by the conference coordinators after the fact when they edit the videos to sell and, because, oh, that's just too far out there. And now you know, like geoengineering and some of that stuff, uh, solar radiation management, chemical ice nucleation, those kinds of things I was talking about 15 years ago. And, and now they've come right out and admitted it. There's gov- it's part of the government budget. There's government contractors. There's websites that are all about it. And you look up and you see it happening every day with 3,000 jets flying across the sky on any given day. Uh, so the same thing has happened recently with a Project Blue Book, which had two goals, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security and to scientifically analyze UFO uh, related data. So we see all kinds of evidence that has been declassified now about it. There have been lots of books written about it. There's even a History Channel docu-series that now in its second season that started back in 2019. But really, what caught, uh, should have by now caught everyone's attention was the groundbreaking report in the New York Times in December of 2017 when they finally admitted that the government has been studying these UFOs for decades. They come right out and admit it with the ATIP program, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Many of you may have seen Commander Fravor uh, being interviewed on various uh, news reports and news accounts. Tucker Carlson has had him on uh, several times, and so has every other major network. The program was led by Luis Elizondo, And it was supposedly ended in 2012, but during congressional hearings in June of last year, 2020, it was admitted that the program actually continued under a different name under the direction of the US Office of Naval Intelligence. And what did they call this program now? No longer ATIP. It's called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. So there it is in the name itself, this idea of the increase in phenomena. So they're no longer called UFOs. They're called UAPs unidentified aerial phenomena. And so we've had revelations from the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group off the coast of San Diego of the Tic Tac UFO. Here's a footage of that Tic Tac UFO. You can actually watch the videos. Here's the Gimbal uh, UFO or UAP from the USS Roosevelt Carrier Strike co- off the East Coast Strike Group. Uh, here's the Go Fast from that same uh, strike group. And then here is a clip that I want to show you just from less than two weeks ago, and, and he's been doing these regularly, from Tucker Carlson on Fox News about some of the latest revelations. And by the way, we're expecting by the end of June, the uh, UAP task force to release even more data about what's going on. Now, the, a lot of them in the, in the military and the government understand this to be extraterrestrial, that we are being threatened by some technology that is not earthly. Uh, we understand through the lens of Scripture, because the Bible is our only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, that it's not little green men from Martians. It's demonic. It's phenomenalistic. And but So a lot of the people aren't in on the conspiracy. They're just patriotic men and women in the service trying to defend us from something that is just absolutely scaring them to death because they can't explain it. And we don't have anything like it. So listen to this uh, clip. I think it's about four minutes from uh, Tucker Carlson.
3: We've interviewed a number of experts on the show, people familiar with footage in the possession of the U.S. military, who have said there is tape out there of unidentified flying objects descending from the sky and then disappearing into the ocean. Well, today, that video emerged. It was taken by the Combat Information Center on board the USS Omaha on July 15, 2019, off the coast of San Diego. As far as we know, the UFO impression was never recovered. There was no material indicating a crash. More than that, we don't know. Tom Rogan is a Washington Examiner columnist,
1: well-versed in the subject. He says Tom, what do you think we're looking at? Uh, well, I think may well be looking at a true unknown, which is to say uh, intelligently controlled uh, machinery uh, that is uh, not understood to be in the possession of the United States, China, or Russia, uh, which are the most three most advanced uh, countries in terms of um, military, uh, aviation. And, and so you know, the video in and of itself is, is limiting what it can tell us, but I think it speaks to, uh, as the Pentagon itself has admitted, uh, this continuing uh, trend of, of truly unexplained things uh, coming into their public consciousness more than they have before. If you listen to this with the sound up, you can hear
3: the guys who are monitoring to deal in real time gasp when it seems to disappear beneath the wave. So this kind of takes the weather balloon off the table or some meteorological phenomenon off the table. I mean, clearly, we're looking at something that is, as you just put a big intelligent and it's going underneath the ocean and then disappearing.
1: I mean, we're we're sure that this could not be a foreign nation.
0: Yeah, that
1: is the, yes, and that that is why you see um, people like Senator Rubio leaning into the subject, uh, the military, Office of Naval Intelligence, which really leads the military effort, researching this. There isn't anything that we have top secret information Uh, about what China or Russia have, or what we have in Area 51 uh, that can do what these things do in terms of the variable performance. And I think specifically relevant to this video, uh, in the coming months and years, an area which we will learn more about uh, is the interaction of U.S. Navy submarines, nuclear uh, ballistic missile submarines and attack submarines, um, picking up sonar contact of things moving um, at hundreds of knots under the water, um, and so there is an undersea um, dimension to this uh, that the Navy has sort of pushed off to the side as the pilots uh, talk more about their experiences. So so there's a lot more to come out, I think, is, is the best way to put it.
0: So I don't think it's any accident that the last two branches of the U.S. military that were instituted were the U.S. Air Force in 1947, same time as Roswell and Kenneth Arnold and around the time Israel became a nation, and now in Trump's administration, the Space Force. What do they know that we don't? What are they afraid of? What are they trying to uh, defend against? And Trump is by no means the first president to focus on threats from outer space. Here's a clip uh, from September 21, 1987, from Ronald Reagan in his address to the 42nd session of the United Nations General Assembly in New York. In our obsession with antagonism to the moment, we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bound. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish
2: if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world.
0: Well, we are facing threat from outside this world. It's called Satan and his Luciferian co-conspirators. Here's just a few of the other uh, things that we cover under spirit of phenomena. We get into a lot more paranormal activity. We talk about uh, Skinwalker Ranch in northeastern Utah, uh, widely considered one of the most uh, biggest hotspots for paranormal activity in the world. We look at unexplained disappearances and many, many other things. And then spirit of the pride, we get into that and some of the narcissism. I won't take the time to talk about that, but that's a huge manifestation, I think, of the spirit of the Antichrist. And then we see the spirit of power. We see the spirit of power. Certainly, uh, Satan's coming is going to be with all, or the Antichrist's coming is going to be with all power, as we talked about, signs and lying wonders. In Revelation 13, we learn authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And in Ephesians 2, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. And again, Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So when we talk about the new world order, you know, from the earliest days of our country, Luciferians, Freemasons, and later the Illuminati that were founded on July 4th, 1776, that day might ring a bell, became and were seeking a new beachhead for their satanic agenda to take over the world. So it's no accident that the discovery of America was called the new world, Uh, And the order there in the New World Order relates to control and power and authority. So I take quite a bit of time in one full video to diagram the Luciferian conspiracy. I'm not going to have the time to do that in this presentation, but you can kind of see some of the organizations that have played a key role. One of those is the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. The Rockefeller Foundation, and especially David Rockefeller, played a central role in the formation of the CFR. In fact, the Rockefeller Foundation and CFR are almost synonymous today. On the Not By Works website, we have a a page dedicated to accurate COVID-19 data. It's basically a a complete uh, clearinghouse or repository of of hundreds of uh, peer-reviewed scientific journal articles, uh, medical journal articles, quotes and links to doctors, scientists, virologists, and so forth, talking about the truth about Uh, COVID, but one of the documents that you'll find on there is a 54 page Rockefeller Foundation document from 2010 that perfectly describes, down to the last detail, even down to the scripts that the media were reading, this planned demic that was just rolled out. Just take a look at that. David Rockefeller is the one who said in his memoirs, you know, he died just a few years ago at the age of 101, but in his Memoirs, he wrote, some even believe we're part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated political, uh, global and political economic structure, one world, if you will. Well, if that's the charge, I stand guilty, and I'm proud of it. Elsewhere, he said, we're on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. He said, the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to war- march towards a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite is surely more preferable to the national autodetermination practiced in past centuries. In other words, goodbye, unique nations, and individual national sovereignty. And this has been something that the elite have been saying forever, especially after World War II. Uh, Listen to what Churchill said, the creation of an authoritative world order is the ultimate aim toward which we must strive. Uh, Charles de Gaulle, same time frame, said nations must unite under a world government or perish. James Paul Warburg, same time frame, he's the son of the famous Paul Warburg, who's considered the father of the Federal Reserve System. He said, pretty bluntly, we shall have world government whether you like it or not, by conquest or consent, and I give you many, many more uh, quotes uh, in the book. Uh, new Brzezinski, who served both, I mean, in the DVD series. There is a forthcoming book, by the way, due out by the end of uh, the summer. It's already in the uh, editing process. It's going to be Spirit of the Antichrist, and it's going to be in two volumes. Volume one will deal with the first nine videos, and then volume two will come out next year dealing with the last nine Videos, but Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, who served in both parties uh, as a key globalist uh, advisor, he said this regionalization is in keeping with a trilateral plan, which calls for a gradual convergence of east and west, and ultimately leading toward the goal of a w- one-world government. Notice he said national sovereignty is no longer a viable concept. So we see this, uh, this news coming out again and again and again, and certainly uh, it's been called to a lot of our attentions through the Great Reset, this plan for a one-world system that's being thrust upon us as a result of the pandemic by transhumanists Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. In his book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, uh, Schwab writes, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. What types of things are Gates and Schwab Envisioning? Envisioning? Well, he told us back on January 10th 2016 in an interview, quote, humans will have a microchip implanted under the skin or in the brain within 10 years. In that same interview, he says at first we'll have them implanted in our clothes and then in our skin and eventually in our brains. And of course, a one world tyrannical system uh, precludes any kind of national sovereignty. It just goes out the window. Maybe that's why our president recently began dismantling the U.S. Constitution when he said, quote, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. He was talking specifically about the Second Amendment, but as one commentator put it, by saying that, he essentially put slavery back on the table. (laughs) Both passive and active gun confiscation programs are well underway in the U.S. Uh, It's been a little surprising... To no one, that uh, the criminals aren't really cooperating with the voluntary gun confiscation uh, programs. So we talk about things like the CFR, Trilateral Commission, Bohemian Grove, fake fake elections, global surveillance, rise of the police state, and many other uh, things. So then, uh, rise of per- or the spirit of persecution. You know, one of the things that really bothers me about um, some people in, in our you know, theological framework who believe that uh, the church is going to be rescued before the 70th week of Daniel, the rapture happens before the tribulation period, sometimes they'll misspeak and say things like, you know, the rapture is going to rescue us before things get too bad. well the Bible never says that. Never says that anywhere, and that's a very naive Western American view of eschatology to think that. Because for 2,000 years of church history, it's been pretty bad for a lot of Christians throughout the world. In fact, right now, there are more martyrs for the cause of Christ on this planet than at any other time in human history. So we need to understand that we are by no means immune from trouble. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Paul said, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. We've been very blessed in our great country not to have to face the kinds of persecution that many believers have. But there's nothing that says if the Lord tarries his coming, we might not face that here. And for the sake of time, I won't go through the verses that talk about the Antichrist's uh, persecution when he takes over the world, but we see that spirit already happening with the persecuted uh, church today. Newsweek did an article not uh, too many years ago about uh, Christian persecution and the genocide in our uh, country. And it ought to chill you to the bone to see some of the things that happen Uh, in our very country, such as the believers in Moscow, Idaho, who were arrested for praising God and singing praise worship songs outdoor in the open air. And they were arrested and hauled off, right? Uh, So we see this, uh, and then this pastor arrested for holding worship services. You never thought you'd see this in uh, this country, but these are the kinds of things that we're seeing. So I want to allow a little bit of time. We go till 1015, is that right? Is that what we break? With
2: yeah.
0: Q&A. Including Q&A, A. right? So we, we have to dismiss at 10.15? Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me take five more minutes, and that will give us 10 minutes for uh, some Q&A because I do want to close with at least getting to number six here, and that's the spirit of perversion. We know that the Antichrist is not going to regard uh, the desire for women. He's not going to have the desire for women, uh, and several other indications that this uh, perverse just really – Um, Aberrant type of lifestyle is going to be characteristic of him, and certainly we see that on the rise uh, today. The LGBTQ activists are praising, for example, Disney Junior Channel for advancing same sex marriages to preschool age children. Here's a 90 second TV ad by uh, Sprite promoting the LGBTQ agenda. Uh, Even children's, young children's shows here, like Arthur, are conditioning and Uh, propagandizing eight-year-olds to uh, this same-sex agenda. Uh, Disney Channel is leading the way in that. Planned Parenthood uh, says you should teach your preschoolers their genitals don't determine their gender. Um, uh, I call this the gender surrender movement in the DVD uh, series. Uh, Forbes magazine had an article about how to use gender-neutral language and why it's important. Even all-American companies like Ritz Crackers rolled out a campaign just recently uh, trying to normalize the transgender lifestyle. Uh, And I don't know if you can read the fine print there, but the point of the ad was at Ritz we're encouraging people to rethink what it means to be family, right? Uh, Hollywood celebrities are parading their children around, um, you know, and cross-dressing Uh, Pop singer Adele is being applauded for uh, promoting the cause of gender-neutral parenting. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are being praised for allowing their daughter to dress and act like a boy. Megan Fox, same thing, allows her son to wear a snow-white dress. Here, same one, Megan Fox, this time her son is wearing an Elsa Frozen dress. Jaden Smith is the son of superstar Will Smith. And he hopes that his gender fluidity will pave the way for others to wear whatever they want. The now 21 year old started wearing dresses in 2015 at the age of 16, and he was recently named the, uh, the, the new face of Louis Vuitton's woman's wear campaign. <laughs> Here's Toby McGuire and his ex wife on an afternoon outing with their son Otis dressed in a girl's skirt. Here's Andrej Pajik, an androgynous Australian model, who was the first model to work both the male and female runways at the Paris fashion shows a few years ago. And CoverGirl announced not too long ago the first cover boy. Even J. crew magazine got into the act some time ago with blatant propaganda celebrating transgendered gendered children. So we get into a lot of this stuff in that uh, section. And then the last one, which we won't uh, take the time to get into, is the spirit of pluralism and the one-world religion. But I've got some fantastic, stunning quotes from the current pope and several pontifical councils that blatantly come out and say that we need a one-world religion and one-world system. So with that, we'll open it up for questions. we got about 11 minutes, I think. Yeah, you'll
2: take them, of course, uh, if our gentlemen will come forward with their microphones. Uh, we have a QA and a session that we do now after every session, so you've got, an auto, you've got time while it's fresh on your mind to ask questions. We're ready for anybody who wants to ask a question. We're gonna keep the mics in our hands, so uh, just make your question brief and to the point. Appreciate it. Let's go ahead and we're going to we're going to also pass the offering plate right now. We have a huge expense here that we have to try to support. We appreciate very much your help on that. So the offering guys will be coming by very quickly. Bob, I'm going to lift up a prayer on this very quick. Heavenly Father, we ask right now for your continued blessing of this conference, which has been going on in Tulsa now for 27 years. And we pray, O oh Lord God, that uh, we will just continue to see uh, your great servants help lift up this conference. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, first
0: first question. Now don't go too far because I'm going to defer the difficult ones to you. Okay? Oh, no, you're
2: not.
0: Anybody have a question about anything we've talked about or comment? How about up here? Do we have a mic? There we go. He's coming.
2: I'm just wondering on this phenomena, the UFOs and stuff. Um, I've always figured that there were no such thing as UFOs. Um, what is? What are we supposed to be thinking about that now? And why are none of the
0: photographs ever clear? Uh, so they're very clear. And, and there absolutely is no question about the presence and existence of UFOs. There's been literally hundreds of thousands of sightings uh, for the last 75 years. The question on the table is, what are they? Not whether they exist. And uh, of course, the great deception is that they're aliens and Martians and so forth. Um, I believe that, uh, according to scripture, they're demonic manifestations. There is a cosmic struggle in the heavenlies. and Sometimes that uh, heavenly dimension intersects with the temporal dimension. We see that in scripture. We see lots of examples of um, That we could go back to Genesis six, we could go back to to, the angels in Lot's day and Abraham's day. Even the New Testament says, "Be careful to entertain strangers, because you might be in the presence of an angel and not even know it." So angels are just unfallen, you know, angels, and demons are fallen angels. So um, I think uh, that the that there is again no coincidence in the timing as we see the uptick in this phenomenalistic activity. Uh, But yeah, there's uh, there's I mean, these are top level military people who for decades have been recording this and saying, this is, unbelievable. these aren't just tinfoil hat people. This is, a, this is a, again, a fact not in dispute. The question is, how do we interpret it? We interpret it through the lens of scripture. A great full-length documentary that it's not free, but you can buy it, is by Gary Bates uh, called Alien Intrusion. Uh, and in our series, I actually uh, clip, have a couple clips from that, short two-minute clips. Um, But I highly recommend it. He has a good treatment of that whole issue. So thank you for that. Anybody else? uh,
1: There seems to be information um, insinuating that Bill Gates population uh, of kids and people, um, how does this play into the Antichrist plan because even the unsaved are getting it, it seems to be that maybe the Christians or the conservatives are resisting. So if it is to uh, sterilize and depopulate, how is that
0: So, yeah, there's no question that Bill Gates is a top-tier Luciferian and eugenicist. He's a transhumanist. Um, if you don't know that already, you've been living under a rock, but there's plenty of evidence for that in his own writings. Um, I don't think, I'm putting this chart up, I don't think he's at the top tier. I don't think he's one of the six families that's literally talking to Satan directly and getting their marching orders from him and drinking children's blood, but he's pretty high up there, and he under he is high enough that he understands the Luciferian nature uh, of it, um, and I wouldn't necessarily agree that most Christians are not getting the vaccine. Uh, I think, uh, uh, frankly, a lot of Christians are deceived and, and I, that gets into why I think uh, things happened the way they did in, uh, in 2016. Uh, can you imagine what, how things would have been different if uh, the pandemic occurred under a Hillary Clinton administration and Hillary Clinton God, President Hillary Clinton got up on national TV and demanded that all Christians stop holding worship services on Easter Sunday? There would have been a revolution on the spot. But when a Republican stands up and says, all Christians need to just stop having church for 15 days, <laughs> uh, that's the longest 15 days I've ever seen, uh, we bowed down and did it. And so I think uh, that part of the deception required in their uh, plan, uh, you know, that person in, in power. That's just my speculation, understanding about the fake left-right paradigm and controlled elections. Uh, so I, I do make the case for that in in the series, not about the pandemic and all that, but about the fake election. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not sure what your ultimate question is. Is, is it just that? Uh, how can this be a successful depopulation campaign given the number of people who are resisting? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I don't think this is the end game. I don't think this is the end all end game. I think this was a dry run, a trial. I think if the Lord tarries is coming, which hopefully he won't, Maranatha, uh, but if he does, I think we've got a lot worse things coming. They've kind of seen now, uh, you know, how people will uh, fall in line and do what they're told and and against all science and so forth. So I I think, uh, and we have evidence of that. We have other documents like the Rockefeller Foundation document and Event 201 and many others similar to those, that are indicating another rollout of something worse in the not-too-distant future. So who knows, you know? Um, but I don't think this was the end game. Here, here we go, a couple more questions, I see. Yes. Uh,
3: number,
2: the, um, number two, the phenomenalism. Uh, I heard on uh, TV about the blood moons coming blood moons right before Jesus comes, how do you think
0: this fits uh, fits in? Yeah, I'm not a big proponent of the the blood moons and Shemitahs and all of that. I did a a presentation on that several years ago called the blood moon and Shemitah hysteria. Uh, I don't know that uh, there's any significance in terms of the timing of of that. Um, We've had blood moons for centuries, and if the Lord tarries, we'll continue to have them. Uh, So, I mean, looking back after the rapture and after, we could look back and we might be able to make some kind of a correlation, but I don't think it's uh, uh, a good use of our time to try to speculate on lunar events and and, and solar events and things like that and try to weave that into our predictive theology. That's just my view on that. Yeah? This is pretty much a general question. What, in any uh, role, does Play in end times prophecy? Yeah, so the question is what what role does the U.S. play in end times prophecy? Uh, Obviously, we get that question a lot. Uh, The U.S. definitely is a key cog in the Luciferian agenda with New York City and Washington, D.C. It's not the only one. There's a presence in Rome and a presence in uh, uh, London and so forth. Uh, But uh, there's a lot of key Luciferians that emanate from, you know, New York City, for example, with the UN and, and, and inside the beltway of DC. Uh, so I think um, that if the US is still around, which there's no guarantee it will be, right? I mean, the US could be wiped off the map in the next year, for all we know. Uh, so uh, I've often reminded people that if the Lord tarries is coming, has it ever occurred to you that you might be raptured as a Chinese citizen? That's entirely not beyond the realm of possibility. Uh, so, but if the, if the rapture were to happen, say, today, uh, I think that the U.S. Uh, could be a part of the end times uh, tyrannical system. And not, in, you know, I believe in a literal be- rebuilt Babylon, and Dr. Woods would be the one to answer this question. That's kind of his realm of expertise among many others. But I do believe in a literal rebuilt Babylon and a Babylonian uh, system uh, for, of the Antichrist. But it's going to be a globalist system, so wherever he goes, it's kind of like Potus. Wherever Potus is, if he's on Air Force One or he's at Camp David, that's where that's the seat of power. And if the U.S. is still around, I could see some of those uh, localities playing a key role in the governance uh, of the of the satanic regime. So, somebody else. Unfortunately, this is the last one, but I'll be glad to. Uh, answer questions at the table or continue the dialogue. I love to talk about this stuff.
1: So thank you first for mentioning the, I
3: don't even know how to say it, Maria Abramovic and the Mm. spirit-eating phenomenon that is taking over everything.
1: Can you loosely touch on that?
0: Yeah, so I think what Christians need to understand is that there is a very real, documented, undeniable presence of Luciferianism in the world today. And that should not surprise us if we know our Bible. Because we know in the ancient Near East they were sacrificing children to Satan. And depravity, here's a big heads up, is a a degenerative disease. It doesn't get better over time. So if they were doing this, you know, thousands of years before today, then why wouldn't we think it's going on today? And we don't like to think about that. It's not pleasant. Uh, and it's by no means good, but there's some, some pretty bad cats in this world, and she's one of them. And so there is a definite uh, uh, presence of satanic, and I'm not talking about the, the fake religious satanic stuff like the Anton LaVey's and all that. That's all just way down on the list. I'm talking about the actual Luciferians who talk to Satan the way we talk to God. And, uh, and I think uh, she's very much uh, a part of that. And a lot of our politicians have been, you know, in in uh, cahoots with her and and associated with her and, and so forth. So, well, thank you very much. I hope this at least spawns some thinking for you.